Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all. Very warm welcome to you, especially if you're a visitor. It's great to have you here. And to those of you online as well, good to have you joining us. And uh, I'd like to give a very special welcome to Hugh. Um, Hugh has joined us today from Great Ellingham. So really uh, thankful that he's come. We're looking forward to hearing him speak. And uh, God willing, Hugh's going to give us a a brief update uh, this evening of how things are going with him, where he is. So we're looking forward to hearing a bit more uh, from him about that this evening as well. He's speaking at both of our services today. So we're very grateful to him for coming all this way and for serving us in this way. So thank you. Well, I don't know what sort of week you've had. Maybe you've had a, a good week. It's been productive, you feel satisfied, and you've come to church, and you're ready to listen, and you're ready to learn, and you're ready to worship God. Just seeing someone out the back there who just said, yes, it's good to be here. Maybe that's your attitude. It's a great attitude to have. But maybe this week you've come, and to be honest, you've had a week that you'd just rather forget. You've found yourself doing things that you didn't want to do. And not doing things that you did want to do. And you've kind of come here this morning and to be honest you don't really feel ready to worship God at all. Maybe that's how you feel this morning. Well I'm going to give just a few moments of quiet and then I'm going to pray and ask God to help us to be able to worship him this morning. So let's have a, a few moments of quiet and then I'll pray. Lord God, I pray that you would help us to worship you this morning. Lord, I pray that you would help us to listen to what you've got to say. And that, Lord, our hearts would be receptive to what you've got to say. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that we are here not because of our own works or not because of our own achievements. Lord, we are not here this morning because we are good enough for church. Lord, I thank you that we can come this morning by the grace of God. Lord, that is the only way we can come, through Jesus. Lord, it is all of you and it is not of us. And so, Lord, I thank you that whatever week we've had, however good, however bad, Lord, that we can come and we can worship you this morning. And I thank you for that. And I pray that you give us a heart of worship this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. And we're going to sing about this gift of grace, our Redeemer, Jesus. Uh, And it just reminds us that he's the one we hold on to and that it's not through us that we can come to God, it's through him. What gift of grace is Jesus, my Redeemer, there is no more for heaven now to give. So let's stand and sing. Thank you. 
Well, today we're in the book of Daniel. Uh, we're very much looking forward to what Hugh shares with us later. And this morning we're in Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. So I'm going to read that now. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace, and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate, and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names, Daniel he called Belteshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food, or with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favour and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah, Test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of Cyrus. So that's Daniel chapter 1, and we look forward to hearing it explained more to us later. We're going to sing again. Go and sing a song called Blessed Assurance. It focuses on the joy of knowing that Jesus has rescued us. And then after that, if the children would like to come up, because Hugh's going to do the children's talk for us. So let's stand and sing.
look at you all wag. Nice to see you this morning. Good to be here today back in in Forest Fold. Nice to see you all this morning. Uh, It is actually literally nice to see you because on Friday I got some new glasses. Do you like them? Are they all right? Actually they're very especially cool because along with them, look at this. This is magic. Look. They turn into sunglasses. That's fairly impressive. I can see you're impressed down the front there. That's good, isn't it? Okay, so so yeah, I, I, I got these because my eyes were beginning to go a bit. About four years ago, I had to go to the opticians and got my first glasses. I went along for a, for a, to, to have a test, and the optician said, you need glasses. I wasn't at all convinced. I thought my eyes were fine. Especially when I found out how much glasses cost. I was really sure my, my eyes were fine. But I had to, I had to go, no. I had to have glasses, and my first pair came, and uh, I said, I don't really need these at all. And I put them on, and I was amazed. I could see again. I just realised how bad my eyes had got, and I could suddenly see everything, which was great, until I looked in the mirror, and then I suddenly had all these wrinkles that I'd not seen uh, before. But it was good. I could see. It's a wonderful thing to be able to see. And God has to give us if we can put it like this, 
glasses, not for our eyes, but for our hearts. So that we can, we can see and understand the truth, okay? Because the Bible says we're blind. And we can't really see our need of Jesus or understand the truth unless God helps us and opens our eyes to see the truth. And we can ask him to do that. There's a verse in the Bible that says, Lord, open my eyes so that I can see wonderful things in your word. That would be a good prayer for you to pray while you're young. When you come to church, when you come to Sunday school, when you open the Bible, just to go, Lord, Open my eyes. Help me to see, really see the truth. Now, if these glasses are amazing, uh, somebody, well, I think it was one of my children, sent me a link on YouTube, because I'm still quite young and I can understand that sort of thing. They sent me a link on YouTube to uh, an even more amazing pair of glasses. There was a man, and he was what we call colorblind. Okay, so he, it means he can't really, couldn't really see colors very well or tell the difference between them. Anyway, I don't know how it works, but he got this pair of glasses that helped him to see color. For the first time, he was quite an old man, he, and he saw colour for the first, and he put them on. Do you know what he did when he first put them on? He cried. It was so amazing to see colour and to see all the differences. And he said to me, "Is this? do you see like this all the time? He was asking people, and he was amazed. And that made me, th- I kept, they're very, I kept watching, lots, lots, you can see them on YouTube, there's lots of them, people do that, and they nearly all cry when they put them on for the first time, to be able to see colour. And that reminds me, that's a little bit what, what happens when somebody becomes a Christian, when God opens our eyes and our hearts to see the truth, and we go, wow! So perhaps, you know, like, I'm, I'm like, I was like you, I was brought up in a, going to church, and, and I knew the, tr- knew the Bible, knew the Bible stories, but then God worked in my heart. And it was like, oh, wow, I can see how serious sin is, how wonderful Jesus is, how amazing the gospel is, what a wonderful thing it is to be forgiven. You can see all those things for the, for the first time. That's a wonderful thing to be able to, and, and we all need that. And every Christian has their eyes open for the first time. So, just, yeah, you've got, you have glasses. One or two of you have glasses, don't you? It makes you look intelligent, I, I find. It's the only way. It's a wonderful thing to be able to see. It's even more wonderful to be able to see the truth. Let me just close, let's close our eyes for a moment, shall we? And I'm just going to pray for you. Lord God, we thank you for eyes to see. We thank you for uh, the beauty of the world that you've made, uh, that we can look around us. We thank you for colour and for all the good things you enable us to enjoy. But Lord, we know that we need you to open our, the eyes of our hearts to see the truth. I pray that for these young people here and indeed for us all, that you would open our eyes even today to see more of the truth of the gospel, to see more of how wonderful Jesus is and how true your word is and how great you are. And how we must follow you. So we pray you'll bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, good. Thank you, Hugh. One of the things that we looked at very, very briefly last Sunday evening was that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened. 
so I was going to pray about that anyway, it fits in well. So let's come and let's pray again. Oh Lord God, as we uh, close our eyes for prayer, oh Lord, I pray that you would help us actually to see more clearly, Lord, that you would help us to see you more and more. Our Lord, that you would help us to see the wonderful things in your law. Our Lord, I pray that we would see the vibrant colour of, of you. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would help us to know you more and more. And Lord, if we don't realise how important it is to know you, Lord, I pray that we would know you more so that we realise how important it is to know you more. Lord, I just pray that each Sunday, each time we read the Bible, each time we chat with a Christian friend... Lord, more and more, Lord, that we would see you and that we would know you more. Lord, help us to grow in our knowledge and understanding of you. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to realise how important it is. Lord, it's the most important thing. Lord, help us to grasp that. Lord, you are the creator and we are the created. Lord, you made us. And yet, Lord, so often we walk around as if we're the ones that are the creators. We're the ones with all the authority. Lord, I pray that you'd forgive us, Lord, when we become big and you become small. Lord, I pray that you'd forgive us when we push you to the back of our minds and the back of our consciences. And we forget about you and we just think about us. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to know that your way is best. Lord, sometimes we we don't think that. Lord, sometimes we look at the way you, you teach us to live and we think, well, that doesn't look great. Our way looks so much more fun, looks so much better. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to have confidence in you, Lord, that your way is best. Lord, that you made us. You know what satisfies us truly. You know what brings true happiness. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to trust you and to delight in living for you. Lord, we know that we have whispers in our ears that say God doesn't want what's best for us, just like back in the garden. Lord, I pray that we would trust your word over anything else. Lord, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and we thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you would help us to worship you this morning. Lord, you've given us life, you are sustaining us, and you've brought us here. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to worship you. Lord, do help us to see more clearly with the eyes of our hearts. Lord, do enlighten our hearts. Lord, you are the light of the world. Lord, fill our hearts more and more this morning. Help us to see eternal things more clearly every day. And Lord, I pray for Keith uh, at Hailsham today. Lord, we thank you that he's a minister of your word. Lord, I thank you for how you blessed him on Thursday evening as he spoke to us on the theme of friendship. Lord, we thank you for that message and I pray that you'd help him today. Lord, I pray that you bless him, uphold him, and Lord, may the church know that they've heard your word today. Lord, we bring John and Esther before you again. Lord, we've prayed for them before, but we pray again. Lord, we we thank you for keeping them safe on their holiday. Lord, we pray that you'd continue to keep them safe as they enjoy the last couple of days. Lord, we pray that it would do them good spiritually, mentally, physically. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that as they come back and as they, they face the burden of church leadership again, Lord, I pray, Lord, that they would lean on you. Lord, that there would be a positivity about it because they know the eternal good that they are doing with your help. 
And Lord, that they would know that you are the God who upholds and strengthens. And that you will never leave them nor forsake them. Lord, I pray, Lord, that they would have that real positivity about coming back. And Lord, I pray as well that they may know that we as a church are praying for them. Lord, help us to pray for them. Lord, especially those of us who are members. Lord, help us to really dedicate them to prayer regularly. Lord, because they need it. Lord, we thank you for them. We thank you for their humble, wise leadership. Lord, we thank you that... Um, John's desire when he speaks is to preach your word above all and to see you increase and us decrease. Lord, I just pray that you would honour his preaching and honour his prayers and honour his work. And Esther as well, as she supports him, Lord, often such a difficult role. Lord, we thank you for the huge amount of work they do behind the scenes that many of us never see. Thank you for them, Lord. And Lord, we also want to say thank you. Lord, we thank you for being with the surgeons and the the carers who helped Louis Bishop this week. Lord, we prayed for him last week. And we thank you, Lord, that though he still needs care, Lord, we thank you that it's been good news, that things have gone well. And we thank you for the relief that is for the family. And Lord, we pray that you continue to be with them and help them through this difficult situation. But Lord, we do come and say thank you. Having prayed last week, Lord, we look back and we say thank you for answering that prayer. Lord, we thank you that you're a God that that does care. And Lord, we we pray now for Caitlin. Lord, due to have an operation uh, this week, if all's well. Lord, I pray that it would be able to go ahead. And Lord, I I pray, Lord, that you would very much be with her and be with the, the family. Lord, that you would give that sense of peace that only you can. Lord, I thank you for the joy that Caitlin brings to so many of us. Lord, we thank you so much for her. And we just pray that you'd really be with her in a special way this week. Lord, I bring before you James and Rachel as well, and their church, and all those uh, out where they are. Lord, we've seen on the bulletin that it's uh, upsetting and unsettling times at the moment. But Lord, we pray as they've asked us to, that Lord, it would draw people to the only hope, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that even in the unsettling times, Lord, that good would come out of it. Lord, we thank you that we can pray that. We thank you that Jesus is enough for them. Lord, I pray that they'd be drawn to Jesus. And Lord, there's many of us here this morning. Lord, we come from very different circumstances, situations. Maybe some of us are feeling delighted to be here. Maybe others are struggling with sadness or depression or anxiety, distractions. Lord God, I just pray, Lord, that you would uphold us this morning, that you would help us to engage with your word and that we may go away from this place, whatever our circumstances, knowing that it has done us good. And Lord, I pray especially now for Hugh. Lord, thank you again for bringing him to us. Thank you for his willingness to serve us in this way. And Lord, I pray that you'd richly bless him. Lord, as he shares what he's prepared, Lord, I pray that we would hear you. Lord, give him strength. Give him clarity of mind, I pray. Lord, may we hear you speaking to us loud and clear this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before Hugh does...
come and speak. We're going to sing our third song, O Jesus, I Have Promised, and I'm going to read the fourth verse. O Jesus, you have promised to all who follow you that where you are in glory, your servant shall be too. And Jesus, I have promised to serve you to the end. O give me grace to follow my master and my friend. Let's stand and sing.
Well, it's a, a real joy to be uh, to be back with you and uh, to be able to bring God's word to you, to see you again, and look forward to fellowship today. If you'll turn with me, please, in your Bibles to uh, the book of Daniel that was read to us, Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. Uh, we're going to spend the day together in Babylon, if that's okay. Or uh, if you prefer, we're going to spend the day with Daniel uh, together. This morning, we're going to be with him uh, in the... Uh, the early stages of his life as he arrives probably as a, a young teenager into Babylon and then God willing tonight we're going to be with him right at the end of his life uh, in his 80s uh, as he uh, in chapter 6 as he faces uh, the lion's den. I, I think the book of Daniel is such a relevant book uh, for our day and situation. It has lots of things to teach us uh, but I think that there's two sort of main things that this book teaches us. It teaches us how to live for God in an ungodly world. And it teaches us that God is still in charge in an ungodly world. I think those are two things we really need to be reminded of uh, and to be taught about uh, in our particular day. I think probably as Christians we're feeling more and more like Daniel. Having to live for God in a world that doesn't recognize God. Uh, having to live for God in a world where God is opposed. We're, we sort of, we're increasingly in the minority, aren't we? And uh, we're aware that the things that we believe, the things that we hold dear, the, the, the truths that we cling to are just so opposite to the thinking of our day. Rejected. And although we perhaps we love our country and we we're blessed in so many ways, we we feel, don't we, like we're foreigners living living in this world? And I think that's where Daniel can really really help us, teaching us how to live for God in an ungodly world, reminding us it's possible to do that. We haven't got to go and hide in a hole somewhere. We haven't got to just go and wring our hands and, and you know, say how terrible everything is. But it is actually possible, with God's help, to live for him uh, because he reigns and he rules and he can enable even people like you and me to make a difference in this world and have an impact on an ungodly world. Now, Daniel's a book of two halves, if you know that. First half, you young people, full of great stories that we all know and, and love. Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and, and all those stories. And then in the second half, it gets really complicated, doesn't it? Because we got all the, 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 uh, the apocalyptic dreams and everything. Well, that's why we're sticking in the first half today. And uh, I'll leave your pastors to deal with the second half uh, another time. But the second half, the story's the same. The, the purpose is the same. Reminding us, God reigns. Jesus reigns. The Lord is king. And to follow him is the wisest thing you could possibly do. Let me just remind you a bit of the historical context. So when we come to the book of Daniel, the opening chapter, the year is 605 BC. We know that because Jehoiakim is in the third year of his reign, the king of Judah. Uh, the kingdom of Israel, uh, again, you young people will remember, started out as one nation under, under Saul and David and Solomon, and then it divides in two, doesn't it? You've got the northern kingdom of Israel, the ten tribes, Samaria, its capital city, and in the south, two tribes, Judah, with Jerusalem as its capital city. Uh, because of its sin, the, the northern kingdom of Israel 
disappears first, doesn't it? 722, the Assyrians come, they destroy Samaria, they take the people away, they're never really heard of again. You'd think that the southern kingdom would learn its lesson. But although it has some godly kings along the way, it turns away from God, forgets God, worships idols. And so, the year 605, Nebuchadnezzar comes to the throne of the, the upcoming, growing, mighty Babylon, Babylonian Empire. And that same year then, he marches on Jerusalem. He surrounds Jerusalem. Jehoiakim uh, caves in, surrenders. And that great city, with all its history, with all its promises, with all that's happened there, with all its uh, purpose there, uh, falls into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. And uh, he leaves Jehoiakim in place as sort of puppet king. But one of the things he does is he takes the, the brightest and the best away with him, uh, back to, to Babylon. And Daniel and his three friends are amongst that group. And that's where we come to them when we come to the beginning of the book of Daniel. Now I've got four questions for us to think about this morning. Here they are. Let me give them to you at the beginning and uh, we'll make our way through them. Question number one, has the Lord been defeated? That's the first question. Second question, will the Lord be forgotten? Third question, will the Lord come first? Fourth question, can the Lord be trusted? Can the Lord be trusted? So let's make our way through through each of those. First of all, has the Lord been defeated? Look at verses one and two with me. I mean, it's a legitimate question to ask, isn't it, when you read those first two verses? It certainly appears that way, doesn't it? So we're told in those two verses that Nebuchadnezzar comes to Jerusalem, besieges it, the city of God surrounded, Jehoiakim caves in, the city's taken. And we're told that he takes some of the articles from the temple, from the house of God, and he takes them back to Babylon and he puts them in the house of his gods. Uh, that was something that was done in, in those days. You, you would take the gods of the, the nations you defeated, or in the case of Israel, of course, they don't have a, an idol, but they have articles in the temple, and they take them back, put them in the, in the house of your own god. There you go. Another god defeated. Another god who's proved uh, not powerful enough to defeat our gods. And, and there they are. Uh, you may remember in Samuel how, you, you young people again, may remember how in, in the book of Samuel, the Philistines do that, don't they, with the Ark of the Covenant. Do you remember how they put the Ark of the Covenant in, in the house of Dagon? Uh, it doesn't work out very well for Dagon, does it? But that's what they do. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar does. So here we are, another God defeated. So just imagine it. Nebuchadnezzar walks into the temple, the place that only the priests were supposed to go, and takes some of those holy articles dedicated to God, and he takes them and he puts them in the in the in the temple of his God. There you go, another another God defeated. That, that's that's surely a question to ask. Has the Lord been defeated? You think of Jerusalem and all those promises and all all the purposes of God and all the prophets who've been there, and, and it all seems to be over. All seems to be to be done. And yet what we discover in the book of Daniel is that though Jerusalem remains defeated, and actually during the time of this, the Daniel's there, is destroyed, 587, Jerusalem's destroyed. And although the the articles from the temple remain in in the house of, of the gods of the Babylonians, God is very much still alive. He's very much still on the throne. And actually, it's not just uh, 
Daniel and his friends who are declaring that. It's these emperors themselves who have to declare it. You discover that all the way through uh, the book. Just just turn over to chapter 2 and verse 47. Uh, there, Nebuchadnezzar ha- is having to go to Daniel. Truly your God is the God of God and the King of Kings. Or again in chapter in chapter 3, verse 29, there's no God like the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, the, the delivering God. And we could go to other places uh, as well. And actually, if you just go back to chapter 1 and verse 2, do you see how verse 2 begins? And the Lord gave Jehoiakim. You see, the fall of Jerusalem isn't ultimately down to Nebuchadnezzar. This is the Lord's. This is the Lord fulfilling his purposes, keeping his promises, uh, uh, keeping his warnings. God is very much still on the throne. And that's so vital for us to remember, isn't it, today? Because there's plenty of people out there not just asking the question, has the Lord been defeated? They're they're declaring it, aren't they? That God's dead. Uh, that Christianity is in its death throes, that that we'll soon all come to our senses and and, and see the truth and and, and we'll give it all up. I mean, that's what people are saying, aren't they? And you go through villages and and towns and and there's another church turned into a house, another building uh, turned uh, turned into a, a house or a dwelling or whatever it might be. And God's pushed out of the public square, isn't he? And Richard Dawkins and others are declaring that, that, that the God of the Bible lies dead at the, at the feet of the God of, of, of evolution and, and, uh, and man's wisdom. And we may as well all give up and pack up and go home. But the book of Daniel, and indeed, of course, the whole Bible is encouraging us to remember God isn't defeated. He still reigns. Jesus is on the throne. He's building his church. The gates of hell can't prevail against it. So the first question, has the Lord been defeated? Daniel laughs at the idea. Our God is still mighty, ruling and reigning in, in the midst of all that's going on, in the midst of all the confusion and all the, all the, uh, the, the opposition. And brothers and sisters, we need, to, we need to hold on to that. We need to believe that. We need to rejoice in that. So that's the first question. Has the Lord been defeated? Answer, no, no. Second question, will the Lord be forgotten? That's verses 3 to 7. Will the Lord be forgotten? That's what Nebuchadnezzar is seeking to do. That's what he wants. And Nebuchadnezzar was a very clever man. So he knows that this, his, his empire is growing and growing and growing. And you, 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 can't, you can't keep it under control by force. He just hasn't got a big enough army to do that. And, and, and so what, what he does is, uh, wherever he goes, wherever he defeats a nation, he takes the best people from that nation, the most promising, uh, the, the, the most promising pupils, takes them back to Babylon and basically turns them into Babylonians. Uh, that's, what he's, that's what he's trying to do. Look at verse 4. I mean, the, uh, the benchmark's pretty high, isn't it? The, the young people, bright, good-looking I'm not sure how many of us would have made the mark. I think I would be all right, but I'm not sure about how many of you. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's, you know just, we're going to just take the best. And, and the aim is to make them forget their background, forget their identities, immerse them in the culture and the ways and the thinking of the Babylonians. And that's what's happening to, to Daniel and his three friends. 
Therefore, of a, of a large number of people taken from Judah back to Babylon. Just try and imagine it. Is anyone here 14? Some, perhaps some of you young people are 14. Let's say Daniel is probably around that age. Imagine that, being taken away from your parents, away from your home, away from your country, away from everything that you know, taken to a foreign country, hundreds of miles away, where everything's different. Different people, different language, different culture, different food, different clothes, everything's different. And you're captives, and you've got to obey. And actually, they're smiling at you. Uh, And they're saying... Here you are. Here's, we'll put you on a three-year program. Uh, immerse you in the ways of the Babylonians. And the promise is, if you, if you do well, there's a job at the end. There's security at the end. And there's no student debt. Uh, there's the, 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 all the food's included. Uh, it's a smiling... Fa- all you've got to do is forget your past. Forget where you've come from. Forget your religion. Join us. That's all you've got to do. Uh, that, that's, that's, that's what, the, forget God. That's why the question is, will the law be forgotten? That was the purpose behind the change in their names, actually. When, when I moved to Norfolk 25 years ago, now my name changed from Hugh to Who. That's how they say it in Norfolk, Who. One of the old ladies in the church, I tried to get her to say it properly, said it's Hugh. And she said, you ain't getting me talking posh. So I gave up uh, at that point, and I'm, I've been Who. Uh, but to the to the true Norfolk people. Well, they, these people's names are changed. So Daniel, and they've got wonderful sort of biblical names, haven't they? So Daniel means God has judged. Hananiah means Jehovah. The Lord has been gracious. Mishael means who is like God. Azariah means Jehovah has helped. So they're, they're sort of names that just remind them of where they've come from and their God and what he's like. And their names are changed. So Daniel's given the name Belteshazzar, meaning keeper of the hidden treasures of Baal. Hananiah's given the name Shadrach, which was another name for the pagan god Marduk. Mishael, Meshach, that's an ancient form of the, of the god Venus, and Azariah, Abednego, meaning servant of the god Nebo. So it's not just given to them so the Babylonians can pronounce them a bit easier. This is, there's, there's purpose behind this. Forget, forget your gods. Forget your, I mean, he, he, we've got his, his gold items in our temple anyway. Forget him. Join us. Become like us. Worship our gods. So you can imagine the impact that could have had on these young men. They've been cut off from everything they've known, taken to a far country, attempt is made to mould them and shape them, and it seems that's the only way you're going to be able to get on. The only way you're going to survive if you join them and become like them. And a promise of of a successful career in the Babylonian civil service if you'll just go along with it. Will the law be forgotten? Well, let's apply it to ourselves, because we haven't been taken off to some foreign country as captives, but we are living in a world that's trying to mould us, aren't we? We're living in a world that's trying to shape us, that's saying to us, forget your God, join us, worship our gods. This is the way to think. This is the the way to view life. That's what we're being bombarded with all of the time. This is... This is, this is the way you must think. This is the way you must act. And if you think differently, the consequences are getting increasingly serious, aren't they? 
And it's important we understand that. It's important you young people understand that. That, that on the television and on social media, uh, it's, 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 it's seeking to shape you. It, it's, it hates the things that, that, we, that we believe to be true and all that's right and good. And it's saying, this is the way to think. This is the way to live. This is what, this is what matters. Join us. Here are our gods. And they seem so much bigger and, and everyone else is worshipping them and, and, and bowing down to them. The God of, the, the God of, uh, of pleasure and ease and, and man's wisdom. And come on, join us in those things. Now, it, that's not new. I mean, what did Paul, Paul wrote in Romans 12, didn't he? Do not be conformed to this world because, you know, he knew that was the danger in his day. I mean, it's, you know, the world is saying, join us, eat, drink and be merry, live for the day. And that's the, that's the danger, isn't it? That's, that's what's happening in this world. So we come together on Sunday, how vital it is that we do. We're reminded of the truth and we're reminded of Jesus and, and the gospel and those things which, which are eternal. But we go out into the world and so we can't avoid living in the world. We can't hide away in, in, in somewhere. But it is a world that's trying to shape us. And we need to recognize that. And the pressure's on. Will the Lord be forgotten? Is that the temptation you're faced with at the moment? The pressure's on. Forget your, forget God. Let's, let's, let me join with, with my friends. Let me join with my school friends. Let me join with, uh, with the people at work. Let, let, I'm going to bow down. Well, I might as well bow down now to their gods. So, has the Lord been defeated? Will the Lord be forgotten? Do you remember the third question? Will the Lord come first? Will the Lord come first? That's verse 8 particularly. What, what's, what's Daniel going to do then in the face of this attempt to mould him and, and forget his God? Uh, the, the question is, will the Lord come first or will Daniel melt in the face of this pressure? Uh, well, what do we read in in, uh, in verse eight? Well, Daniel, uh, ESV, resolved New King James purposed in his heart. We'll come back to that in a moment. Let's just deal with the food issue for a moment. Uh, so Daniel says he's not going to define himself with this food. Why is that? Well, maybe some of it is the unclean food of the uh, of the Old Testament law. Certainly, some of it was that, but not all of the stuff that uh, is mentioned was. Probably also it's. Uh, they would eat, dedicating it to the to the to the gods of the Babylonians, sort of almost like a like a, a worship feast to their gods. Whatever it is, Daniel clearly thinks this is this is the line in the sand. This is if he does this, he will define himself. It will be compromised in a way that he that he can't do, and so he 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 he, he purposes in his heart that he won't do this. Now, interestingly, uh, just for you to, to know and note, in verse 7, uh, we have the same, in the Hebrew, you've got the same word. So here it's, uh, you can James say, he purposed in his heart. Well, you have that same Hebrew word, purpose, in the previous verse uh, about the, uh, the chief of the eunuchs. It says, gave them names. Actually, that word gave is the same Hebrew word, purposed them names. So, as I indicated, they, they've got a purpose. They want to shape them. They want to mold them. Uh, and that name change is, is, 
in order to do that. But Daniel's got a purpose as well. He's, he's resolved. There's, there's this battle going on. Who's going who's gonna to win? So he purposes in his heart. Now, let's think about this for a moment. I, I, I do like the way that the, 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 the New King James translates it here. It's, uh, resolved is there, but the word heart is there in the Hebrew. And I think that's helpful because it shows where the battle was. The battle is there in the heart. That's where the issue was. That's where the decision was made, in the heart. So we know, don't we, children, young people know that when the Bible speaks about the heart, it's not speaking about the organ that pumps the the blood around the body. we, We discover in the Bible we think with our hearts and we plan in our hearts and we believe with our hearts. We desire with our hearts. And that's where the battle went on. What did Daniel really want? Who did Daniel really love? Who came first? Who was on the throne, if you like, of Daniel's heart? And that's where the issue is for us. Generally speaking, it's not that we don't know what's right when we're seeking to live in this world. The issue generally is... Do we want to do it? Do we want to obey? What's going, what's going on in my heart is normally the deciding factor on how I live and what I do. That, that's, that's the battle. What, what, that's why, you know, you get verses like Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 4, 23. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. This is, this is where the battle goes on. This is the, this, this is where it matters, isn't it? In our hearts. So we've got to guard what we do with our hearts, what goes into our hearts, what we allow in our hearts, who reigns in our hearts, because that's where the, that's where the battle is. So, if you like, we're seeing what was going on in Daniel's heart. We're, so that although he's just a teenager, this is encouraging for you young people, God's already been at work in his heart, hasn't he? He must have been. That heart of stone has been taken away. And now he's got a heart of flesh. He's, he, he wants to obey God. He wants to follow God's ways and, and walk in God's ways. And the battle throughout Daniel's life, I think it's worth remembering this if you read the book of Daniel, the battle throughout Daniel's life is going to be one of his hearts. Who has his heart? So can I ask you this morning, and let me, let me look at you and say, who reigns in your hearts this morning? How, how is it in your hearts today? Are you conscious here this morning that, that God's changed your heart? That's what we all need, don't we? It's what God does. He, he, he gives us a new heart. Can I say, perhaps you're here this morning, again, perhaps you young people, perhaps you older folk, I don't know. Uh, you, you come along to church, you might come for 101 different reasons, just to, because you have to, uh, to please somebody else, just because it's what you always do. Perhaps you come along and you, if you're honest, your heart's not in it. You know, you see people around you and, and, and their heart's in it. They love to be here. They love Jesus and they love the things of God. And perhaps you're here this morning and perhaps you come every Sunday and you're conscious that that's not true of you. Well, can I, can I urge you this morning, if that is true of you, then take that to God. Ask him to change your heart. Ask him to deal with you, to make you a real Christian, to, to have mercy upon you. You can do that. God is, that's, that's what God does. That's, that's the business he's in, if we can reverently put it like that. He changes hearts. 
So why not go to him and ask him to deal with your heart? And brothers and sisters here this morning, the battle for living for God in an ungodly world isn't ultimately out there. It's in here. That's where the battle is. With your heart and my heart. So Daniel purposed in his heart. It's an act of devotion, in other words. And note just a couple of other things about it. Uh, the word suggests it's something he did in advance, doesn't it? It's a, it's a decision he thought through. What, what, what can I do without compromising? How far can I, what, 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 what's it okay for me to do? And where, where do I have to draw a, where, what can, what can't I do? Well, where do I have to draw a line in the sand? And he, clearly Daniel doesn't want to have to make that decision on the fly, if you like. He, he, he wants to think about this. What, what am I going to be faced with? What can I say yes to? What, what must I say no to? And then, notice also, he did it at the, this at the beginning, didn't he? As he arrives. He doesn't go, well, let's just get through the first three years, shall we? And see, see what, we can, what we can do then. You know, let, let, let's get a bit further up the ladder and then I can make a stand and then I can be a real influence. No, he, he makes it at the beginning because he knows if he doesn't make it at the beginning, he probably won't make it at all. It's a really important thing, isn't it, at the, to make a stand for the Lord at the beginning. You move to a new house or you go to a new class or a new school or new job and you say, I'll just get my feet under the table a bit before I tell him I'm a Christian and go to church. It's never a good way to go, is it? Say it at the beginning. Make your stand, make your stand at the start. And what we see here really sets up Daniel and his friends for the rest of the book, doesn't it? Because I don't think Daniel would have made his stand in the face of the lion's den if he didn't, hadn't made it here. And, and nor would Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego made their stand when facing the fiery furnace if they hadn't made it here at the beginning. So I don't know about you, but sometimes I think, what would I, what would I do if real persecution comes? Would I stand or not? Do I? And of course, we are, we are, God gives grace for each situation. But the question is, what well, are you standing now? Am I standing now in the small things? Well, surely Daniel's an example to us, isn't, isn't he? Purposing in his heart. Do, do we need to do, do you need to do that? Is there, think through your own situation, your own circumstances and, Make some decisions about things that you will and won't do. I mean, we, we do need to do that, don't we? We need to be specific sometimes, don't we? I won't watch that television program. I, I won't visit that website. I, I won't join my friends if they do that. I, I won't even think about dating a non-Christian or wh- whatever it might be. And, or positively, I will read my Bible every day. I will pray every day. I'll get out onto the prayer meeting as much as I can, whatever it might be. And you might go, well, Hugh, that's all lists and being a Pharisee, isn't it? But... I'm sure there were people who came with Daniel and his three friends who said, oh, Daniel, it's only food. I mean, why make a stand here? And sometimes we do need to be specific, don't we, in our, in knowing our own circumstances and our own temptations and, and before the Lord's purpose in our hearts, what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. So, has the Lord been defeated? Will the Lord be forgotten? Will the Lord come first? Is he first in your life? Lastly, really briefly, can the Lord be trusted? Can the Lord be trusted? That's verses 9 to 11. That sounds rather alarming, doesn't it? But we won't spend too long on that, this whole section. It really, the rest of the chapter can be summed up in those words of 1 Samuel 3, verse 20. Do you know them? Them that honour me, I will honour. Them that honour me, I will honour. So these 
as these three, four young men in this far country determined to put the Lord first and honour the Lord, so the Lord honoured them and helped them. First of all, look at verse 9. Uh, it tells us, isn't it, that God brought Daniel into the favour and compassion of the chief of the eunuchs. God did that. God, God brought them into... I mean, the hearts of people are in God's hands, aren't they? And he, he can turn them whichever way he wants. And, and so he made the chief of the eunuchs favourable towards Daniel and his three friends. But then, understandably, the chief of the eunuchs is reluctant, isn't he, to risk his own head when allowing Daniel and his three friends a different diet, you know, just vegetables as, as Daniel requests. But Daniel's determined and he's tactful. He goes to the, he goes to the steward, the chief of the eunuchs is put in charge of him and just says, well, just let's try it for 10 days. Let's try it. He's sort of wise, isn't he, whilst being firm at the same time. And the, and the Lord honours them in that, doesn't he? In the, even within 10 days, they stand out as better than the rest. Now, generally speaking, if you see an advert for a diet that says, you know, in 10 days, you'll be revolutionised and your skin will be wonderful and whatever it is, I should generally ignore it because it probably won't work. This is clearly of the Lord, isn't it? The Lord does this. The Lord made them. In that time. Uh, apparently there is a, a diet that's called the Daniel diet that you can get. I think it comes from the States. So I'm pretty sure it does. And, you know, you follow Daniel's diet and, and everything will be fine. We, we might all be getting a bit nervous. We might go, oh, we got to go and chuck our roast dinner, beef, beef out when we get home and just, just eat vegetables now. Is that, is that what we're to take out of this passage? Well, thankfully the New Testament makes clear that's not what we have to take out of it. Clearly it was the Lord's doing, wasn't it? They, the Lord helped them. The Lord made them... Uh, stand out even within those ten days. And then the Lord honours them also in that, in that he gives them understanding and wisdom. Verse, verse 17 makes that clear. So they make their stand and then they get on with their studies and the Lord helps them and he, and he gives them so that they stand out above all the rest. Verse 18, when, when the exam time came, they were found not to be just the best students but better than the wise men the king already had. Indeed, ten times better. The Lord honours those who honour him. The temptation would have been, wouldn't it? If we're, we're going to get on, we've got to compromise. Uh, we've got to conform. But God shows that that isn't the case. Honour him, he'll honour you. Now, of course, I can't stand up here this morning, can I, and say to you, you know, if you honour the Lord, do the right thing, everything will go well with you and, you know, you'll make it to the top and, uh, and be successful in life. I can't say that because we've got brothers and sisters in Christ today in prison in other countries because they've honoured the Lord and, and stood firm for him. So it doesn't always work out in exactly the same way that, that it did with Daniel and his three friends. But it is always the case, those who honour the Lord, he will honour, whether that's in this brief life or in... The ages of eternity. The important thing is, honour the Lord. Leave the consequences with him. I mean, you know, Daniel and his three friends don't know what's going to happen in the, at the end of the chapter. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar could have had their heads off right at the beginning, couldn't they? But they trust him. And they honour him. And God honours them. That's, that's, that's how to live for God in an ungodly world. Trust God. Obey him. Leave the consequences with him. Know that he rules. Jesus is on the throne. He will honour those who honour him. Let me finish in this way. Imagine imagine having to see you young people. Imagine having to stand before Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, I don't know if you've got exams coming up. 
you know, exams can be quite frightening, can't they? But imagine having your exam before Nebuchadnezzar, the man who can take your head off and nobody, nobody dares say a word. If you get it wrong, it would be pretty, pretty frightening, wouldn't it, to, to, to stand before King Nebuchadnezzar, to be examined by him. But let me remind you this morning, every one of us here this morning, that a day is coming when we're going to have to stand before somebody far more awesome than Nebuchadnezzar. We're going to have to stand before Jesus, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. Do you remember what he said? Those who honour me, own me, I will own and honour on that day. So that, brothers and sisters, all our, all our decisions, all our priorities, all our purposing needs to be made in the light of that day, doesn't it? When we'll stand before Jesus. What will matter then? What decision will I want to have made when that day comes? Has the Lord been defeated? No. Will the Lord be forgotten? Are you tempted to forget him? Will the Lord come first? In your life. Can the Lord be trusted? Yes, he can. You can trust him with your life and with your decisions and with your eternity. You can come and cast yourself upon him and find life and purpose and peace in him today. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the book of Daniel. Thank you for this opening chapter. Thank you for the way that you enabled Daniel and his three friends to stand firm. We realise it was of your help and grace that they did that. A conscious thought of the days in which we live and the way this world is trying to shape us and mould us, make us forget you. Oh Lord God, help us, we pray, to stand firm, to trust you, to look to you, to, to have you as the, the king in our hearts, to honour you and know that you are the one who says, those who honour me, I will honour. Lord God, deal with us, help us, we pray. We look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're going to sing uh, final hymn this morning. Uh, about Lord being the ancient of days, words that come later on in the book of Daniel. Though the nations rage, kingdoms rise and fall, there is still one king reigning over all. Let's remind ourselves of this truth as we conclude.
God, we thank you that you are indeed the ancient of days, the unchanging God in the midst of all that's changing around us. And so we look to you and we trust in you. Be with us now. Bless our conversations and fellowship today. Thank you for the Lord's day, the blessing of a day of rest and time to think of you. May that be so for us today. Be with us. Watch over us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.